J. Susie. Our next call is Peter Elton of Westbrook, Oregon, who I am told is 17 years of age. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Hello, hello, Peter. I- is this the president? Yes, it is. Do you have a question for the president? Uh, I, uh, I took some acid. <laughs> I'm uh, afraid to leave my apartment and I can't wear any clothes. And the ceiling is dripping. And, uh... I, uh... Well, thank you very much for calling, sir. Please. No, no, just a minute, Walter. This guy's in trouble. I think I better try to chuck him down. Peter? Yeah. <laughs> Peter, what did the acid look like? Um, they were these little orange pills. Were they barrel shaped? Uh, yes. Okay, right. You did some orange sunshine, Peter. <laughs> very good of you to know that, this How long ago did you take it, Peter? Uh, I don't know. I can't read my watch. All right, Peter, now just listen. Everything's going to be fine. You're, you're very high right now. You'll probably be that way for about five more hours. Try taking some uh, vitamin B complex, uh-huh. vitamin C complex. If you have a beer, go ahead and drink it. Okay. Just remember, you're a living organism on this planet, and you're very safe. You've just taken a heavy drug. Now right. just relax, stay inside, and listen to some music, okay? Yeah. Do, you, do you have any Almond Brothers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do, sir. Everything's okay, huh, Jimmy? It sure is, Peter. You know, I'm against drug use myself, but I'm not going to lay that on you right now. Just mellow out the best you can, okay? Okay. Okay. Well done, Mr. President. to wake up yesterday to the news that the senator from the 22nd district had overnight accused me by name of grooming and sexualizing children in an email fundraising for herself. So I sat on it for a while wondering why me? And then I realized because I am the biggest threat to your hollow, hateful scheme. Because you can't claim that you are targeting marginalized kids in the name of, quote, parental rights if another parent is standing up to say no. So then what? Then you dehumanize and marginalize me. You say that I'm one of them. You say she's a groomer. She supports pedophilia. She wants children to believe that they were responsible for slavery and to feel bad about themselves because they're white. Well, here's a little bit of background about who I really am. Growing up, my family was very active in our church. One day, our priest called a meeting with my mom and told her that she was not living up to the church's expectations and that she was disappointing. My mom asked why. Among other reasons, she was told it was because she was divorced and because the priest didn't see her at Mass every Sunday. So where was my mom on Sundays? She was at the soup kitchen with me. My mom taught me at a very young age that Christianity and faith was about being part of a community, about recognizing our privilege and blessings and doing what we can to be of service to others, especially people who are marginalized, targeted, and who had less, often unfairly. I learned that service was far more important than performative nonsense like being seen in the same pew every Sunday or writing Christian in your Twitter bio and using that as a shield to target and marginalize all already marginalized people. So who am I? 
I am a straight, white, Christian, married, suburban mom who knows that the very notion that learning about slavery or redlining or systemic racism somehow means that children are being taught to feel bad or hate themselves because they are white is absolute nonsense. No child alive today is responsible for slavery. No one in this room is responsible for slavery. But each and every single one of us bears responsibility for writing the next chapter of history. Each and every single one of us decides what happens next and how we respond to history and the world around us. We are not responsible for the past. We also cannot change the past. We can't pretend that it didn't happen or deny people their very right to exist. People who are different are not the reason that our roads are in bad shape after decades of disinvestment or that healthcare costs are too high or that teachers are leaving the profession. We cannot let hateful people tell you otherwise to scapegoat and deflect from the fact that they are not doing anything to fix the real issues that impact people's lives. And I know that hate will only win if people like me stand by and let it happen. So I want to be very clear right now. Call me whatever you want. I hope you brought in a few dollars. I hope it made you sleep good last night. I know who I am. I know what faith and service means and what it calls for in this moment. We will not let hate win. Not let hate win. into the programming for these very young kids. And so my wife and I, you know, we're thinking to ourselves, you know, when we were young, you could watch cartoons without having to worry. Now parents have to sit there and worry about what are they trying to inject in? What type of ideology are they trying to pursue? And that is wrong. What are they trying to inject in? What type of ideology are they trying to pursue? What are they trying to inject in? And that is wrong. Uh. 
Jack was nimble, Jack was quick. Got a question for Jack, ask him. 40 acres in a mule, Jack. Where is it while you try to fool the black? It wasn't you, but you pledge allegiance to the red, white, and blue sucker that stole the soul. From the Winslow T. Broadcast booth in sunny Bushwick, Brooklyn, clear skies, blue skies. We'll get to that in a second. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And this is Race to the Bottom, baby. Yeah. 100th mashup episode. And my opening monologue, as always, is brought to you by Winslow Tea. I'm drinking it right now. Ah, that's just good. It's just good. Just just damn good. Please hashtag your tea drinking experiences with hashtag how you know. And steep into this conversation. You can also um, jump into the Discord. Haven't heard from Touchdown in a while. Maybe um, the freaking deacon will will have something to say. You can text me. You can email me. You can hit me up on Truth Social. My handle is where we go one, we go all on Truth Social. You can hit me up on uh, Mike Zuckerberg's Twitter or uh, Elon Musk's Facebook, right? I hope you're doing well, and I'm I'm happy you're here. How about that mashup? So we've been doing mashups on this show, and that was the one hundredth count them. 100th mashup and um, I think I'm going to kind of do my monologue as an extension of telling you what was in that mashup 
But listen to uh, Bremer and McCoy for a second. I got to do something. So nice. You know what we gotta do? We gotta get those guys in the studio. That's a good idea. <laughs> so, to begin, we we heard from, and I can't believe this is the second time in in uh, in a row, two weeks in a row, that I've hit up the Saturday Night Live for inspiration. I'm not a huge Saturday Night Live guy, but that popped into my head. I remember watching, I think it was on Nick at Night. Am I wrong? Can somebody fact check me on this? They used to have the the old original uh, Saturday Night Lives kind of packaged up in a, in a with a bright, pretty bow, I think, on Nick at Night. And I remember seeing... Good old Dan Aykroyd doing his his Jimmy Carter, which I I appreciate an uh, an imitation that's nothing like the the person being imitated. Dan Aykroyd had his mustache, had his like uh, weird accent, which was kind of nothing like Jimmy. Yeah, basically had absolutely nothing to do with the president, but still, for some reason, it worked. That's a good topic. What are the, um, what are the best <laughs> non-sequitur imitations? Suppos- supposedly, I guess Saturday Night Live does that a lot. Not sure what I'm asking, research team says. I'm asking, was it Nick at Night that used to play reruns of Saturday Night Live? I guess that's a very specific question. But if you're like me, you had... That was your first... Uh, when when I was little, I couldn't stay up till 11.30 on a Saturday. It should be called... It starts so late on Saturday night. It should be called Saturday Night and Sunday Morning Live. <laughs> I guess Saturday Night Live does that quite a bit where they, they uh, it's apocryphal. I think George H.W. Bush never said, uh, not gonna do it, wouldn't be prudent. You don't think so? Research team says, well, I do. Where else would it have been? I think it was Nick at Night. Hey, y'all. Where did I watch reruns of SCTV? Where am I to... Uh, this is kind of like a... Um, I think this is where I'm a Gen Xer. Kind of have more of a Gen X TV experience. Supposedly, Sarah Palin never said, I, I can see Russia from my house. But it gets... It gets at something, these imitations. 
But for some reason, I, I remember watching this clip and, and Jimmy Carter's doing a call-in uh, kind of thing. Fireside chat, but it's a call-in. And a guy calls up and he's on LSD. And Jimmy Carter uh, talks him down from having a bad trip. And I had no idea what any of that meant when I saw it as a little tot. But it stuck in my head for some reason. But here's the funny thing. I always remembered him saying, you're just going to need to relax, you know, chill out. You know you're on a heavy drug. And I remember him saying, do you have any Pink Floyd? (laughs) And I guess that was the Mandela effect. You know about the Mandela effect? Supposedly... It's these moments in history where like people like get them wrong, uh, but it's like a, it's it's like a Mandela effect. Mandela effect. False memories can sometimes be shared by multiple people. This phenomenon was dubbed the. Mandela Effect by paranormal researcher Fiona Broom, oh, the, the, the master, who reported having vivid and detailed memories of news coverage of South African anti-apartheid leader Nelson Mandela dying in prison in the 1980s. And I guess a lot of people had that, um, that same memory. And I wonder if a lot of people had the memory of Dan Aykroyd as Jimmy Carter telling this guy on LSD to... <laughs> Listen to some Pink Floyd, but it was the Almond Brothers, and that makes sense because Jimmy Carter's from Georgia. Of course, he would recommend his Georgian uh, brothers, Dwayne, Greg, Dickie. Can anybody name any other people from the Almond Brothers besides those three? I can't. But I so I played Blue Skies. That's a that's a great. If I was having a bad drug experience and I needed to chill out, I would maybe play Blue Sky by Almond Brothers. Especially with Dwayne Almond and and Dickie Betts doing that the harmonic kind of runs where they're playing together. That's beautiful. I continue my obsession with this song. And I just bought the record. Field of Kilimanjaro. Listen to this for a second. Oh my God, my research team is on it today. Yes, I was right. It wasn't the Mandela effect as far as me remembering watching Saturday Night Live episodes as well as SCTV. The research shows, as Nick and Night at Night grew, 
It would add to its library of shows branching out to rerun sketch comedy, such as original Saturday Night Live episodes, as well as the Canadian series Second City Television. Anybody watch Second City Television, SCTV? Hit me up in the chat with your favorite SCTV memories. I remember there was a... There were the two guys in the truck that would sing a... Banana, 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 me, my, momana. And then they did Chuck. Chuck, Chuck, Bobuck, banana, fana. And they realized they were going to say the F word. You guys remember that? So they, on Dick at Night, they, they played uh, reruns of Saturday Night Live from um, 88 to 91. And the Allman Brothers... Dwayne, Greg, Dickie, yes, Barry Oakley on bass guitar, Butch Trucks on drums. Is that is that uh, Derek Trucks' dad? J. Johnny Jamone Johnson on drums. Johansson on drums. Oh, J. John... What? Weren't there two drummers? Or was that the Mandela effect? I thought I saw two drummers when I saw the Allman Brothers play. Cough button. Oh, by the way, I was right last week. Josh Phillips <laughs> had to uh, back out of the show. So we're, ju- we're just going to hang out. And if you'd like to be part of the program, I guess you could call in or, you know... Hit me up on the uh, steep end of the conversation some somehow. The phone number everybody wants to know is uh, it's a damn phone number seven one eight six seven three eight two zero one. Then we heard from uh, the sample that uh, from Big Pimpin, the Jay Z song. Did you know that was a, a sample of a, a of Hosam Ramsey Kasura Kosura? It's pretty cool. Is that I guess that's like a Bollywood song. Then to the heart of the matter, the meat of what we're gonna talk about today. It's not all fun and games, guys. We heard from Mallory McMorrow, Michigan State Senator from the 13th District. And that's how you do it, guys. She was uh, attacked for being a um, a groomer. And man, she, she brought it. I like, I like how, how she did that. Calling out the hollow, hateful scheme. We'll talk more about the hollow, hateful scheme. We heard from London Beat. I've been thinking about you. It's kind of a bop, that song. We heard from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. With a greeting song. I love Phil to Kilimanjaro, but it's not good um, background music for my monologue. I'm sorry, Miles. 
You know what it is? Post. Let's it's Von Borg Cardib. Here we go. This is good background music. Right? And that song, the the greeting song off of Blood Sugar Sex Magic, it, it holds a special place in, in my heart because I took guitar lessons in, in uh, fifth grade from this guy, Bob Johns, who had like cloudy glasses. He looked like he was like um, in like a instructional video for like how to put together model airplanes. And um, I was all over the place. I was ADD and my fingers didn't really work yet on the guitar. And he'd give me these exercises and he'd, he, he set me to play Dust in the Wind by Kansas. And I wasn't really feeling it. And he was getting frustrated with me and he said, is there a song that you would like to learn that I, I could teach you? And at that point in my life, as, as I told John Field when we, I had John Field on and we, we listened to the new amazing Red Hot Chili Peppers album, Unlimited Love, Derek Trucks came out when he saw the Almonds on Horde tour, which is his uncle. Thank you, listener Tim. Yeah, Derek Trucks can can play that guitar. And as listener Tim knows, I used to carry around my Red Hot Chili Peppers tape everywhere I went. And I told Bob Johns, listener Tim, you had lessons with Bob Johns too, right? And he he uh, I get I said I want to learn a Red Hot Chili Pepper song, but I knew that Anthony Kiedis uh, liked to put some uh, naughty words in his songs, <laughs> so I felt like maybe the greeting song would be the best one to get Bob Johns to teach me. So I gave him the cassette or like a a dubbed copy of the greeting song and waited impatiently for the next guitar lesson and he he came and tried to show me some he said it was like an a chord that you would slide up to the fifth fret or something it didn't sound anything like anthony kiedis whatever he was telling me to play sounded like crap i think i quickly quit thereafter the greeting song's good. That guitar solo went into John Hammer. John, Ham- how do you say Jan Hammer? He made he made listener Tim learn "Pretty Woman," and he, uh, Tim wanted to learn "Alive." Yeah, I think we played "Pretty Woman" at a guitar recital in the auditorium. Jan Hammer with Peaceful Sundown played in the background as Ron DeSantis talked about how you could uh, you be able to watch cartoons and not worry. That guy's cool. We heard from who's, uh, Public Enemy, Who Stole the Soul? Jack was nimble, Jack was quick. Got a question for Jack. Ask him, 40 acres in a mule, Jack? Where is it? 
Why'd you try to fool the black? It wasn't you, but you pledge allegiance to the red, white, and blue sucker that stole the soul. And I agree with Chuck D. (laughs) And then we heard from A Tribe Called Quest, where he says Ron Carter on the bass in verses from the abstract. And Cypress Hill. Fat boy on a diet. Don't try it. I'll snatch that ass like a looter in a riot. Much too fat like a sumo slamming that ass, leaving your face in the grass. For some reason, I think when I... You know why I get that line in my head is that I, I, uh, I try to keep my waistline down. And sometimes I get that line stuck in my head when I'm, th- I th- when I'm thinking about myself. I tell myself, fat boy on a diet, <laughs> don't try it. Cypress Hill. So did I equip myself well? On Mashup 100? I hope, I sure damn hope I did. Chris McGregor's Brotherhood of Breath, MRA. Back in a second. Oh, yeah. Got Howie hitting me up? Yes, amazing. Last night, the Mets acquitted themselves. Talk about acquitting yourself uh, well. A, the, the first 
in in Mets history combined no hitter. So, had, so a no hitter, guys, in baseball is is when the pitcher pitches and the other team never hits the ball. You can walk somebody. If you don't walk anybody and they don't get a hit, that's what's called a perfect game. That's not what um, last night was. It was a no-hitter. And like I talked with Howie, it used to be that you'd have one pitcher do a a no-hitter. And that can still happen sometimes. But like, like we said, everybody's always worried about the pitch counts these days. You can't have a any one pitcher thrown more than it it's, seems like an arbitrary number. I mean, we like rounded off numbers, so you, they say a pitcher can't throw more than a hundred. Well, by the time a pitcher's thrown about a hundred pitches, it's time to get him out of there. Might that be just because it's the number one hundred? Probably, I'd say so. How do we know it's not a the the human arm doesn't top out at like 85 pitches or 110? You see what I'm saying? But last night the Mets, it, it, so so it wasn't one guy. It started out with this guy Taylor McGill pitching really well, and then they passed the ball to Drew Smith, who looks uh, like the. The, the bad boyfriend and uh, in Mayor of Easttown, except he cut his hair so he looks a little bit less like the dude. And then what, a Yoheni Diaz or something? I forgot the, the five people. But a, a no-hitter, and the Mets are uh, the best team in baseball. And the Mets are the official... Uh, could I get the Mets to, to sponsor Race to the Bottom? Um... Yeah, it was it was amazing. And it's 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 sweet because the Mets are are uh underdogs. And it it feels amazing to to be winning when uh you're not used to it. You know what I'm saying? Just good damn baseball. We'll we'll see how how it goes, but it, like how he said, this could be our year. But guys, I'll tell you what's what hasn't uh, a a team without the <laughs> without the same luck of the New York Mets is the baseball team that I'm coaching. So it's always been a dream of mine to to coach baseball. Ever since I was a um, a baseball player myself, I started playing t-ball in what first or second grade and became obsessed with baseball and um it's all i all i did i ate slept drank baseball drank baseballs i would make smoothies out of them baseball cards baseball video games played a what's it called bases loaded for Nintendo. And I said, well, one day I'd like to be a coach. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this is this year was that year. Actually, it was supposed to be two years ago. 
came to my new school and there, there's a baseball team and I got I went and talked to the athletic director he said do you know anything about baseball I said yeah I used to play as a kid I was obsessed I still am very into baseball I think I can do it so I became an assistant coach and then there was something happened called COVID-19 speaking of there's a new number you can call in New York City and this is real if you have questions about the vaccines or anything it's 212 COVID-19 I think it's pretty cool they got that number so COVID happened and and actually we were supposed to have a practice it was March 12th 2020 I said I'm not going to practice today I'm going home I don't know how this thing spreads. We never came back to school. Had to get our stuff. So, no base, but we had a couple practices in 2020. No season whatsoever in 2021. But then back in the building. Back at it. 2022. And uh, boy, I tell you. These kids that I coach, a lot of them, I, without getting into too much detail, I, I teach at an international school. A lot of kids who are not necessarily uh, the all-American boys. And a lot of guys on this baseball team, you don't, you, they don't know which, uh, which, how to put a baseball glove on, which is counterintuitive. You would think... Maybe at first blush, if you're right-handed, you'd put the glove on your right hand. But no. You need to throw with the, your, your, uh, your good hand and catch with your non-dominant hand. And then uh, when you're in the stepping up to the plate, you hit the ball, where do you run? You got to teach these kids for uh, baseball 101. Got to teach them to run to first base. That that's how basic we're talking. It is to be, and and I don't know if I I mentioned I'm an, I'm the assistant coach, which is good because I don't have to I don't want to take full responsibility for for the proceedings. So this year we we got a fresh batch of kids. We we only teach uh we only do um like middle school baseball. We don't have a varsity team. And the kids that we have are only uh, only can be in 7th grade and 8th grade. 6th graders can't play. They're too young. And ninth graders can't play. They're too old. So we just have this little band of eligibility. 7th and 8th grade. And because we took two years off, We have no institutional knowledge. None of the none of the seventh graders or eighth graders, you know, obviously played the couple years before, and so we're we're starting from scratch. We had a few practices. These guys can't throw and catch. That's the biggest problem which is a pretty big part of baseball. You need to be able to 
and they're just all over the place. I try to get them to like line up, get closer if you're throwing the ball and the guy's not be able to catch it. Or or girl, we have girls, it's a co-ed team. But we do have a couple naturals. We got this kid who uh, I was his teacher in sixth grade. He's a seventh grader now. And I know him and he's kind of a spaz but a good kid and somehow this this kid just uh, never played he's kind of a natural athlete and uh he's got an arm and so he's our pitcher that's a hard thing to do you got a team full of 15 18 kids and none of them have, have really ever played baseball to get somebody who can throw uh strikes you know from 60 feet away That's that's tough, tough sledding. But this kid can do it. And so we, we went to Brooklyn this week and, and played this team this this from this Catholic school. These boys were like uh like praying beforehand and stuff. It's like that Christian thing where they're like too nice, the coaches were like came up and shook our coach's hands and the, everybody's like it's like they're like rep, representing God <laughs> so they, they're a Brooklyn school so we they, they were the home team we're visitors and, and in baseball the, the home team you, you gotta be a good host so you let the the visitors bat first. So we batted three up, three down. Strikeouts. I think somebody actually made contact, hit it right to the first baseman. So we take the field. And one batter. These kids could hit. I don't think our kids had ever seen a, a ball go into the outfield before. First kid up. Knocks it right out to the center field, and we put a lot of our worst kids in the in the outfield because we're trying to hide them out there. Hit it right to the center fielder. Our kids like try to run and get out of the way when the ball is hit to them. It's worse than the bad news bears. So every every person every kid who got up for this Catholic team got a hit or got walked. Then our our pitcher, who's usually cool and calm and collected, he started freaking out. He starts walking people, he hit a couple people. At one point he just threw his glove down. We had to go out to the mound and have a conference and encourage him to keep pitching he said can't somebody else do it it's basically it's like man if you don't do it you think this is bad so we finally got to uh, the kids on the bench they're like mr reed you know what the score is there's no we're just at some field out in brooklyn i don't know there's no scoreboard 
So I, to figure out what the score was, I just figured out once the they'd hit around the order, all nine batters were up again. So I just counted. I it's, it's everybody scored, and the first guy's up again. So it's nine zero, and then that the the first batter got uh, got up again. The guy batting first. He got a home run, and you know, inside the park home run. So it was ten zero first inning, and the umpire, this classic Brooklyn guy, like a mustache and a great accent. He he calls time and comes up to the, the coaches of both teams, and he's like, "We got to call." We got to call up Mercy. Yeah, Tim, to listener Tim, yeah. We got to call a Mercy rule. And so the the head coach of our team is like, "All right, well, good game." And they're they're like, "No, no, we'll uh we'll let you guys we'll just call Mercy for this inning." <laughs> so our guys get back up to bat again. Thank God there were some walks. So we got a couple people on base, but we didn't score a run. Then we got the, you know, basically three up, three down again with a couple walks. No hits. They 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 no-noed us like the Mets did last night to the Phillies. <laughs> so we get back in the field. And the inning was so long when we were in the field that I I uh, I was kind of doing the um, I was like the bench coach. I could figure out who was going in the field. It doesn't really matter who you put anywhere. <laughs> they all run run away when the balls hit to them anyway. So who cares? So. Uh, yeah, the, then the other team gets up. They get their allotted 10 runs. And we go back three up, three down. Third inning, the Catholics score their 10 runs. So it was basically, the game was 30-0. Our only hope... Moving forward, we have three more games, and and one of them we're playing the the uh, the uh, United Nations uh, school, Eunice. It's our only hope. Get some other non non American kids. Well, one of our one of my little boys on our team, he's like three three foot seven. He's like Mr. Reed. Why are all the all these American kids so tall? Told them as they they drink milk. Told them they need. Uh, we we gotta start drinking more milk. Like that Michigan coach. So yeah, underdogs. 
I know what everybody, I'm, I'm kind of burying the lead, not talking about what everybody's really thinking about, which is James Corden is uh, stepping down. It's been a magical eight years of the uh, James James Corden's program. What is it called? Like the Late Late Show or something? Chico Hamilton with Passing Through off the off the record Passing Through. So I had this whole thing prepared to talk about. I you know, I I played the stuff at the beginning of the show with Mallory McMorrow, Michigan State Senator. And um uh, Ron DeSantis. The Late Late Show. What if with James Corden... You know how, like, when... This is morbid, but... How everybody started watching um, Jeopardy when they knew Alex Trebek was about to croak? What if what if everybody gets like really into uh the late late show with James Corden now? He's got a few more months. Could I get a correspondent to to watch uh every episode of the late late show from here on out until James Corden leaves? So yeah, I, I you know, I was I was all geared up. I've got all these notes about about uh all this bull crap. What's going on in Florida and the critical race theory becomes grooming becomes now now uh just get ready the next thing that they're focusing on is is uh social emotional learning. But these people, uh, here's what I'll say. I can just uh, talk about this as f- from a teacher's perspective. I taught in the Bronx, and now I teach at a br- pretty wealthy school. Been been in the classroom six years. These people have no idea what what goes on in the classroom. They're like, uh, you know, we're the reason schools are failing is because. We're focusing on all this other stuff. They need to be teaching reading and math. We don't need to be teaching kids about white privilege, gender ideology. You have no idea when a kid isn't doing well you have no idea what's going on a lot of the time. You need to be able to send them to the counselor. And if people people think that, that like, uh, they're afraid that if you make it 
in an option to have a, a different gender expression that it's gonna uh, the, it's gonna spin out of control. I'll just say this: don't don't worry. The boys are still boys, girls are still boys. Girl, oh, see, Freudian slip. Girls are still girls. For the most part, I mean, you get, go into any classroom, you have the knucklehead boys acting like boys. You have girls doing all their things, being mean to each other, judging and doing all the classic feminine stuff. Look, the, these slippery slope things, these people got to just calm down. And the reason why I care about it is, A, because... I'm a teacher, and I see it. I see the way that these things trickle downhill. And like I said previously, these these people couldn't fight it on the merits that Black Lives Matter and that you should be free to be who you are. So they had to they had to bring kids in. And, and just get ready, man, for these midterms and, and for the next school year. All these reactionaries, sick, sick people. That's all I'll say about that. Who said that? And that's all I'll say about that. Benjamin Franklin, right? That was in the Ken Burns thing. And that's all I'll say about that. I'm going to France. If you're listening on your computer, you can download the app for your Android or your iPhone. Go to the website and hit the green donate button if you like what you heard, heard what you liked. Um, perfect timing. Thank you, Chico Hamilton. Up next is Crime Talk BK. Uh, there's this, uh, there's this show. Remember the show I told you about it? Bar Frida? With all these great bands? May, May 20th. Friday, May 20th. Starts at 7.30 because there's so many great bands. Mark your calendars. Next week we got our resident historian Colette on the show. I, I got a good idea for what we're going to do. And uh, get out of your hair now. Get ready for Crime Talk BK. When we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with some Jay-Z. Not guilty. Y'all got to feel me. This goes out to uh, Dr. Dad. See y'all next week. Bye. Gentlemen, to the eighth wonder of the world, the flow of the century. Oh, it's timeless. Ho! Thanks for coming out tonight. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I appreciate that. Uh. H to the Izzo, V 
to the Izay. But Shizu, my Nizu, used to dribble down in VA. Was hurting them in the home of the Turpins. Got it dirt cheap for them. Plus, if they were short with cheese, I would work with them. Born in weed, got rid of that dirt for them. Wasn't born hustlers, I was birthing them. H to the Izzo, V to the Izay. But Shizu, my Nizu, keep my arms so breezy. Can't leave rap alone, the game needs me. Haters want me clap, they chrome, it ain't easy. Cops wanna knock me, DA wanna box me in. But somehow, I beat them charges like Rocky. H to the Izzo, V to the Izay. Not guilty, he who does not feel me is not real to me. Therefore, he doesn't exist. So poof, bad move, son of a bitch. H to the Izzo, V to the Izay. For shizzle, my nizzle used to dribble down in VA. H to the Izzo, V to the Izay. That's the anthem, get your damn hands up. H to the Izzo, V to the Izay. Not guilty, y'all got to feel me. H to the Izzo, V to the Izay. That's the anthem, get your damn hands up. I do this for my culture, to let them know what a nigga look like when a nigga in a roaster. Show them how to move in a room full of vultures. Industry shady, you need to be taken over. Label owners hate me, I'm raising the status quo up. I'm overcharging niggas for what they did to the cold crush. Pay us like you owe us for all the years that you hold us. We can talk, but money talk, so talk more bucks. H to the S-O, B to the S-A. But shizzle, my nizzle used to dribble down in VA. H to the S-O, B to the S-A. That's the anthem, get your damn hands up. H to the S-O, B to the S-A. Not guilty, y'all got to feel me. H to the S-O, B to the S-A. That's the anthem, get your damn hands up. Yeah, hope is back. Life story told you rap. Niggas acting like I sold you crack, like I told you sell drugs. No, hope did that, so hopefully you won't have to go through that. I was raised in the projects, roaches and rats, smokers out back, selling they mama sofa. Lookouts on the corner, focused on the app, ladies in the window, focused on the kinfolk. Me under a lamppost, why I got my hand closed, cracks in my palm, watching the long arm of the law. So you know I've seen it all before. I've seen hoop dreams deflate like a true fiend's weight. The try and the fail, the two things I hate. Succeed in this rap game, the two things is great. H to the Izzo, V to the Izzay. What else can I say about dude? I get busy. H to the Izzo, V to the Izzay. For shizzle, my nizzle used to dribble down in VA. H to the Izzo, V to the Izzay. That's the anthem, get your damn hands up. H to the Izzo, V to the Izzay. Not guilty, y'all got to feel me. H to the Izzo, V to the Izzay. That's the anthem, get your damn hands up. H to the Izzo.